Uh, well, about uh, two and a half years ago, Carrie Underwood uh, wrote a song entitled Something in the Water, uh, which, as you may know, rose to number one on both the Christian music and the country music charts and uh, was called a spiritual blockbuster by, get this, Rolling Stone magazine and earned her a Grammy uh, for uh, Best Single Vocal of the Year, all of which is pretty cool given the fact that the song is about a person whose life has changed because they were baptized. And because the something of which Carrie Underwood sings is the amazing grace of God uh, and its power to transform all of life, to connect us to Jesus, to the baptism of Jesus, to the freedom that Jesus won for us, and to relationships with each other in him that not even death itself could ever destroy. As Carrie Underwood sang the great words, I was washed in the water, washed in the blood, and now I'm changed. And that's what we're here to celebrate today, as we do every year at this time, at the beginning of the season, known as Epiphany, which means manifestation or appearing. And the one who was born in that little town of Bethlehem grows up very fast, and he makes his appearance at the beginning of his public ministry at the waters of the Jordan River to be baptized by John. If uh, you haven't heard the song, uh, and even if you're not a Carrie Underwood fan, Hang on, because you're going to hear it today in this service. But when it comes to uh, the baptism of Jesus in the Gospel of uh, Matthew, you might recall that in early December, just a few weeks before Christmas, I talked about that and about its meaning and significance in the context of John's ministry as the forerunner of Jesus and the one who prepared the way for the coming of the Lord. And if you happen to miss that or you don't remember, let me just emphasize uh, one more time that Jesus was baptized in the water not because he had sins to wash away, but because he wanted to be close to sinners like us. So that the baptism of Jesus was actually his way of putting himself in the place of a sinner, in the water, knowing that there would be a day when he would put himself in the place of a sinner on a cross so that sinners would have a place with him in the kingdom of God here on earth and someday in heaven so that when we are baptized in Christ, we are united with him and we're united with each other in him. And as Carrie says it, we are changed. And I don't think there's a better example of the power or the beauty of that change uh, than the one we find in this little piece of church history from the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, where we read about the baptism of this man whose name was Cornelius by none other than St. Peter himself in a very unusual place, an unlikely place known as Caesarea. Because Caesarea was a a seaport uh, town on the coast of the Mediterranean, and it happened to be the headquarters of the occupying forces of the Roman Empire in Israel, named after its emperor himself. And Cornelius was a centurion, which is to say that he was a soldier in command of at least a hundred other soldiers in those occupying forces of Israel, all of which is to say uh, that not only was a Cornelius a, a political enemy 
of Israel by virtue of his position and his rank. He was also a religious adversary by virtue of the fact that Cornelius was a Gentile, that is to say a non-Jew, and was therefore to be avoided by the children of Israel who were restricted from associating uh, with Gentiles or transacting business with Gentiles or even entering into uh, the Gentiles' homes. It was forbidden. And yet through a, a number of really interesting circumstances that I don't have time to get into today, but that you can read about in Acts chapter 10, Peter is called to go of all places, to Caesarea, to Caesar town, to Gentile territory, to an enemy's headquarters. Because Cornelius, the Gentile Italian soldier in service of the emperor, has heard about Jesus. And he is seeking a relationship with the living God. And this is a very big deal. And it marks uh, one of the greatest turning points that we find in all of Holy Scripture because uh, for Peter, of course, Jesus is the Messiah. He is uh, his Savior. But it's also true that at this point in his life, Peter still sees himself also as a devoted, pious, practicing Jew to whom the promised Messiah of Israel has come. And so the question here is, uh, does he keep his faith? Does he maintain the tradition? Does he uphold the laws uh, under which he has lived all his life and decline the call to go to Caesarea? Or does he break the tradition and violate the laws of his own religion and go knowing that if he does, there's a good chance he's going to get into some pretty hot water with the leadership of the Jewish Christians back in Jerusalem, which is exactly what did happen, which you can also read about in the book of Acts, but I don't have time to get into that, and it, besides, it's a whole other sermon. But the answer to the question is in Acts 10.25, which precedes the reading that you heard a moment ago, and which St. Luke, the author of Acts, makes this very simple but stunning statement that Peter entered the house of Cornelius. He crossed the threshold. And Cornelius, the centurion, the soldier, bows down before him. After which Peter does an amazing thing. He lets go of the past. And as you heard, he fearlessly preaches the good news of Jesus Christ during which God shows up. And Cornelius, the Gentile soldier, and his family are baptized so that they are no longer enemies, but brothers in Christ, because Peter the fisherman decided to follow the tradition of his Messiah and put himself into the place of a Gentile so that even the Gentiles would be able to have a place in the kingdom of God. And that was the day when Messianic Judaism 
cross the threshold out into the rest of a world for which Jesus Christ went to the water and then went to the cross. Now, you might remember that uh, last December 7th, our nation commemorated the 75th anniversary of the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, uh, where Lutheran chaplain Ray Hohenstein, father of Willie Farmer of our congregation here, uh, was on duty and was uh, injured severely and left for dead. But he didn't die, and uh, he went on to have a great ministry after the war. But today I want to talk to you about two other people who were part of that story, and one of them is a man by the name of Jacob DeShazer, and uh, he at the time was a member of the United States Army Air Corps, and uh, in the aftermath of the attack, he volunteered to be part of a unit known as the Doolittle Raiders, named after its commander, and whose mission was to attack the Japanese mainland in response to Pearl Harbor, which they did in 1942. And the, the mission was successful except that they ran out of fuel, and Jake DeShazer had to parachute into enemy territory, where he was then captured and held prisoner for more than three years, and during which time he was tortured, he was mistreated. And during that time, uh, one of his comrades, a fellow prisoner, became ill and died. And when that death occurred, Jake DeShazer, who was a, a baptized Methodist, uh, convinced one of his guards to loan them a Bible so that they could have a little funeral service for the friend, the comrade, who died. And he had that Bible for three weeks, during which he also read it. And when he read it, really for the first time in his life, Jake DeShazer experienced a spiritual awakening. So much so that he began to see himself, his identity, his place, his purpose even his captors, differently. And he began to behave differently, which caused them to see him differently and, and treat him differently, so much so that when the war was over and Jake DeShazer finally got out of prison and he went home, he enrolled in a Methodist college and he wound up becoming a missionary to Japan. where he started 23 churches, including one Christian church in the very city that he himself bombed during the raid. The other guy I want to tell you about is a man by the name of Mitsuo Fuchida, and uh, he was a member of the Japanese Air Force, and in fact the one who led the attack on Pearl Harbor. And after the war, uh, time passed, and one day Mitsuo Fuchida was handed a, a little book, which is to say kind of a pamphlet, that told the story of Jacob DeShazer. And he read it. And because he read that pamphlet, that little book, he became curious about Christianity. And so he got a Bible, and he read the Bible. And in reading the Word of God, Mitsuo Fuchida became a Christian. And he was baptized in 1950, after which he became a missionary to the United States. 
I am not making this up. <laughs> you talk about trading places. Well, eventually, uh, Mitsuo Fushida and uh, Jake DeShazer met each other. And they became friends. Because after all, they were already brothers in Christ by virtue of their baptism. And from time to time, they would even get together and they would preach together as fellow missionaries in the cause of Christ because there is something in the water. And that something is the grace of God. Mitsuo Fuchida died in 1976. Jacob DeShazer died in his sleep in 2008 at the age of 95. So that now the former enemies, a man who invaded our nation, became a missionary to the very enemy that he once held because of another man who invaded his nation and became a missionary to the people of Japan, together in Christ for all eternity, because in the words of Jake DeShazer before he died, it happened because of this great and wonderful thing that Christ has done. Look, if something like that can happen to people like Peter and Cornelius, to Jacob DeShazer and Mitsuo Fuchida, who were worlds apart, you might want to look at what can happen in your life. When you put your trust in the baptism of Jesus, in the power and grace of your baptism, and the baptisms of people around you who are or are yet to be baptized in Christ, and through it being given this spiritual insight that enables us to see ourselves, our identity, our purpose, our conflict, our bondage, our captivity, and even our relationships with each other, in a completely different way. Because there is something in that water. And that something is the grace of God. In his letter to the Galatians, years after the baptisms of both Jesus and Cornelius, St. Paul said, when we were baptized in Christ, we have put on Christ. And there is no Jew or Gentile. There is no slave or free. There is no male or female. We are all one in Christ. You, me, Carmelo, all the same in the face of God. And now our call as those who are members of this community of the baptized is to follow the tradition of the Messiah and of Peter, and of so many others, and find ways to put ourselves in the place of the seeker, in the place of the broken, in the place of those in spiritual or in physical need, and there in that place, bring them this good news through our actions and through our words so that they can have a place forever in the kingdom of God. On Christmas Eve, I I talked about uh, the little town of Bethlehem where Jesus was born naturally uh, and where there is exactly one Lutheran church today, appropriately named Christmas Lutheran Church. 
under the spiritual leadership of a Palestinian man by the name of Pastor Mitri Rahab. And Pastor Rahab talks about a time in 2002 during the, the Intifada, which is an Arabic word meaning the uprising, where there was fighting in the streets of Bethlehem between Palestinians and uh, Israelis. And uh, he remembers even a Sunday morning when he was preaching to his congregation in the church and he heard gunfire off in the distance. Pretty unnerving. But it also happens that Christmas Lutheran Church has a, a craft ministry, as every great church does. And after the Intifada... The woman from the craft ministry went around to the damaged church courtyard and its areas and into the streets of Bethlehem, and they gathered up pieces of broken glass. And from the broken glass, they made angels and crosses and butterflies that have flown around the world and are signs of life and of hope and of victory in the one who comes into our broken, shattered lives to take our place in the water, to take our place on the cross so that we can have a place with him in the joy of the Lord for all eternity. And our privilege, I hope our joy, is to follow the tradition of the Messiah, of Peter, of the people of Christmas Lutheran Church. So many people, people like you, in going to those places where something is broken so that those who are shattered can experience the wholeness and the hope and the promise and the joy of the Lord. Because when you trade places we will end up together in the glory of God. God bless you and me and all his people all around the world as we make that journey together in 2017. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.